As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Torella. And I'm your better, prettier, younger host, Tori. We're sisters who are obsessed with true crime and love gal palin with you about cases. You can expect the occasional curse word, lots of friends quotes, and all the 90s nostalgia. To get in on the conversation, check us out at KillerQueensPodcast.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Killer Queens Podcast. And we're on YouTube at Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. Okay, y'all, grab your Capri Suns or your Surge and let's talk about some true crime. Um, Tori, tell the people what you said about the Murdochs. Mm-hmm. Don't even get me started on Murdoch. <laughs> so if you're, if you have eyes and you're, you're seeing it, it appears to be spelled Mur- Murdaf. No? Murdoff? Yeah. Yeah, like Mur, yeah. Or Murdaw. Sure, I'll 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 allow that. Yeah. So the dad, the patriarch of the family, right? His name is it's spelled Alex, but everybody calls him Alec or Elec. The thing is, so this family, they they think or thought that they were above the law. Mm-hmm. Are they above the English language? Apparently. Like, I'm confused because... Nothing applies to these people. No! And I, now I don't know how to pronounce any any words in this at all. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Yeah, like everything you see is something else. Yeah, it's not as it appears to be. No. I mean, what is... The thing is as it seems. I, I just don't... Seriously. What is what? Yeah. I mean, you know, we always give like trigger warnings before each show. Now, I don't think we did that in the very beginning, but if you're triggered by like asinine pronunciations of words that should be regular words, then this is going to be a tough one for you. Yeah. I mean, really annoyed. That's all I can say. Yeah. Murdoch, Alec, Alec. I just, whatever, dude. Yeah. Whatever. It's an X. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Also, right. for kids learning how to read, could you imagine? Yeah. English as a second language? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they're like, oh, okay, Alex. And they're like, mm-mm, actually, that's Alec. Or Alec. Yeah. Murdoch. Sorry. No, actually, it's Murdoch. Yeah. Like, you, you just make your own rule. Oh, okay, you make your own rules. Okay, okay, for everything. Okay. Yeah, why not? Yeah. 
All right, let's just, let's just do it. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Now that we're good and pissed, here we go. (sighs) On June 7th, 2021. Wait, we didn't do trigger warnings. Oh, I did one, didn't I? Okay. What's the other ones? Murder. Mm -hmm. Hate crimes. Mm -hmm. Death. Mm -hmm. Assholes. Yep. Privileged children. Yep. And we already discussed the pronunciation, so I think we've covered them all. Yeah. And thank you to Madison for uh, writing up this case. And also thank you to Madison for suggesting it. That's true. She did. Hey, girl, thanks. Times two. Double whammy. Love it. Yeah. Okay. Okay, now. Now. Sorry. On June 7th, 2021, Alec Murdoch came home to his large property in Colleton County, South Carolina, to find his wife, 52-year-old Maggie, and his youngest son, 22-year-old Paul, dead from multiple gunshot wounds. The Murdochs were a powerful and prominent family throughout the low country of South Carolina, and the murders of Maggie and Paul made national news. Unfortunately, the significant media attention shed a bright spotlight on the Murdoch family and their suspicious involvement in multiple deaths and the theft of millions of dollars. Throughout multiple investigations, law enforcement and the media have uncovered lies on top of lies that prove the Murdochs weren't only powerful and prominent, they had been above the law and used their name to cover up countless crimes without any remorse. However, the question remained, who targeted Maggie and Paul Murdoch and most concerning was it their own husband and father? The whole time? The whole time? The whole time? There she is. Yeah. There she is. We got it back. Okay. Before we start the whole case, though, we do just want to let you know that if you want more of our shenanigans and bullshits, check us out on the Patreon. Yeah, that's nice. Mm-hmm. We've got... Okay, we just hit, I mean, this is episode 207 on the main feed, but every episode on the Patreon is ad-free. So if you want to go back and re-listen without those pesky ads, you can do so. Also, you know, moving forward, everything is free. And this is a two-parter. So when you finish this one, if you want part two, like immediately, join the Patreon, you'll get it. Oh, yeah. And also, we have a live show every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Central Time. And it is on the Spotify Green Room app. Yep. And you can find us. Our show name is True Crime Rewind. Yeah. So check us out there. Come hang with us. Um, and then of course on the Patreon, we have tons of bonus episodes. You're probably looking at like at least, I mean, at least 200, 250 just other episodes other than main feed stuff. So oh yeah, totally. Lots to see and do over there. Mm-hmm. Plus, we have a private Facebook group for patrons $10 and up where we like, you know, get cozy in there, get a little more info from us. Plus, we have a show on our Patreon that's like just our catch up show where we just like chit chat about like what we're watching or salad dressing or whatever. Condiments. Yeah. yeah. All kind of things. So that's why it's called the catch up show. Oh, no, that was wrong. That, <laughs> that would have That's a missed opportunity. <laughs> we didn't call it the ketchup show. We called it T to the yeah. fourth power Y. We're changing that now. <laughs> yeah, that was a great idea. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Every time I think that I'm like the loseriest loser, you're like, that's amazing. And then it's perfect. Well, so. I am a mom, so. Well, that's true. Like, <laughs> it's mom jokes. <laughs> you are really good at them. All right. I really am. Should we uh, let everybody know who are the Murdochs? 
I literally can't see the I word. Oh, I know. And now I get mad. It's so annoying. But okay. Yeah. So the Murdochs have been a prominent family in the Lowcountry region of South Carolina for quite some time. The name is widely known throughout the southern counties of Hampton, Buford, Jasper, and Colton. And it started in 1910 when Randolph Murdoch founded Peters, Murdoch, Parker, Ellsroth, and Diedrich. It's PMPED for, you know, if you nasty. If you nasty. Mm-hmm. So that's a law firm that served Hampton County and the surrounding areas. And then 10 years later, Randolph was elected as solicitor and served as the top prosecutor in the region. So they call it solicitor, but essentially it is just a prosecutor. Yeah, but, but what's interesting too is that the solicitor here can be the prosecutor or is the prosecutor, but also can maintain their private practice. So they can mm-hmm. privately still represent people, which seems very much like a conflict of interest. Yeah, to me, but I don't know. Well, the Murdochs don't give no shits, apparently. No, so their middle name is conflict of interest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> In South Carolina, the title of solicitor is the same as district attorney. And in 1940, his son, Randolph Buster Murdoch Jr. I can't think of Buster without thinking of Arrested Development, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm a monster. (laughs) So Buster Murdoch Jr. followed in his father's footsteps and was elected as solicitor. 46 years later, Randolph Randy Murdoch III did the same. And for 84, Five years, the Murdoch family has held the title of solicitor and have only grown in notoriety. Hampton is a small town in South Carolina. It's a quiet, swampy town where everybody knows everybody, everybody calls you friend, and also everybody knows everybody else's business. So before the Murdoch family exploded into the news, Hampton was known for the annual watermelon festival they held, especially their seed spitting contest to see who could spit a watermelon seed at the furthest. Now, when they say... You got to get creative in a small town for fun stuff to do. They ain't lying. Are you serious? Spitting a watermelon seed as far as you can go. But why am I oddly interested to try to do that this summer myself? Like how far can you spit a watermelon seed? I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Well, that's the thing though. It's like, you won't know until you try. Exactly. So everybody get ready. Uh, This summer, the 2022 KQ watermelon seed spitting contest. We're going to make t-shirts and shit. I do find it funny that, so just in the opening of this alone, just what I read, I've gotten two 90s country songs stuck in my head back to back. Wow. Watermelon Crawl mm-hmm. and um, We're From the Country and We Like It That Way. Ah, uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Right? That's it. So anyway, it was a town that families were proud to be a part of. The community was tight-knit. And over a century, the... Murdoch family unofficially ruled the town. Like, I mean, kind of officially, though. Yeah, I was going to say everybody knew it, but they weren't like the king and queens. Yeah. But I mean, it's not, it's no secret. No. So Margaret Kennedy Bronstetter, (laughs) who is Maggie. Mm -hmm. What? It's just a rich sounding name to me. Definitely. And I don't even know. I mean, I'm just pronouncing everything the way that I want to pronounce it now because... Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. There are no rules. Yeah, there are no rules. Like, um, also, I know that there's a lot of, like, the counties and the cities and stuff, like Beaufort. I've heard it Beaufort mostly. I've heard it Beaufort from some, you know, people. We don't need, no need to DM us and tell us the proper one. What's important is the story, not the pronunciations of words, names, whatever. Sure. We're doing the best but we also, can here. I, I, I can't stress it enough. There are no rules no, there in are this no case, rules. for no. sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So Maggie was her nickname, and she met Richard Alexander Murdoch, a.k.a. Alex, Alec, Alec, whatever, at the University of South Carolina. They fell in love. They married soon after Maggie graduated in 1991, and the pair settled down in the town of Islandton, South Carolina, and they had two sons. Richard Alexander Jr., a.k.a. Buster. They are not a creative family, obviously. Everybody's name is Buster or (laughs) Randolph. I don't know. And then they also had Paul Terry. So to the public eye, it seemed like the Murdoch family had everything. They lived on a 1,700-acre hunting property in Colton and Hampton County called Moselle. And you know you're rich if your house has a name. Uh-huh. Yeah. Called Moselle. Mm-hmm. But they also owned a coastal property on Big Bay Drive in Adisto, South Carolina. Sure. And they lived a life of luxury and were respected throughout the low country. Mm-hmm. But we're going to start to see some cracks in the veneer, right? Right. Let's talk about the first, say crack again. <laughs> On Saturday, February 23rd, 2019, six friends met at a nearby boat landing. They were planning on boarding one of the boats and taking it to an oyster roast. On the boat was Anthony Cook, his girlfriend, Mallory Beach, Anthony's cousin, Connor Cook, his girlfriend, Miley Altman, Paul Murdoch and his girlfriend, Morgan Dowdy. I think mm-hmm. is how you say her last name. Morgan is a little too cute for Paul, in my opinion, but. No, I think that's a uh, that's fair assessment. Probably the public's opinion. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, yeah. Yeah. The 17-foot center console boat belonged to 19-year-old Paul's father, Alec. Like, just to, I don't know, Paul struts around like he's I mean and he he does come from a wealthy family but he runs around acting like this is his damn money and his damn empire that he's built and I'm like I think you need to hold up sir your daddy's rich yeah not you (laughs) like yeah you have access to stuff but yeah just the way he treats everybody it's like he is the king of everything basically Mm -hmm. so 
The girls wanted to have a date night that evening, and the teenagers had all grown up in the area with each other, and they were close friends, and they'd spent a lot of time on boats growing up. They were comfortable around water. Before meeting at the landing, Paul, while hauling the boat behind a truck, parked at a nearby Parker's convenience store. Since Paul and his friends were all under 21 at the time, he used his older brother Buster's ID to purchase alcohol to bring with him on the boat. And there is surveillance video showing Paul buying the alcohol. He walks out the door through the parking lot and he's like holding up the cases of beer like triumphantly to show, yeah, everybody like, we got it. Yeah, we did it. We did it. Like, and he doesn't like, he and Buster have red hair and that's about where the similarities end, I feel like. (laughs) Absolutely. They don't look anything like. I don't know, but I guess the clerk was like, I don't know, fucking ginge. Sure, both. Fine. Uh, uh, uh. A fucking ginge. Okay. Well, I mean, like, because it's the only similarity is their red hair. I'm like, right. not all redheaded people think, are the same person. Well, I don't think we look that much alike, but a lot of people think that we're twins sometimes. Yeah, so that's true. You have used my ID. I was 20. I was over 21 at the time. That's true. That's true. You just forgot your ID or something. So we just passed it under the table at the yeah, Mexican, uh, restaurant. Mexican restaurant. <laughs> yeah. And the guy was so nice. Just one lonely margarita. Yeah, yeah. True. Yeah. Anyway, at about 6.30 p.m., the group of six left on the boat and headed to the nearby Oyster Roast. It was February and the temperature was in the 50s, but the group decided to take the boat to the party, which was 18 miles away, rather than drive because they'd heard there was an alcohol checkpoint on the road, according to later depositions. Yeah, so boating, drinking and boating, that's better than drinking and driving, right? Yeah, like, okay, guys, let's let's think this through, can we? You don't want to drive on the road because there's an alcohol checkpoint and you're going to be too drunk to drive. Therefore, let's just change our machinery. Still drive. Yeah, I was going to say you're driving either way. Uh And now let's put ourselves in a vehicle that is much less safe in a crash because we're not going to be wearing seatbelts. We're not going to wear life jackets. Like, And the boat that they were on was small for how many people were on it. Yeah, it was very, very crowded. It should not have had that many people on it. There wasn't seats for everybody, like, you know, the whole thing. But I mean, you know, 19-year-old kids, it's just like, I probably would have done the same fucking thing. (laughs) I don't know. Well, you think you're invincible. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, nothing's going to happen to you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely a night when I was drinking at a party at my boyfriend at the time's apartment, and we thought it would be, it was fun. We thought it would be fun, and it was to drag, we we tied, this is so stupid. We tied a laundry basket behind his car and he drug us around and like did donuts and shit to see who like, who would fly out. (laughs) And somehow nobody got hurt. I don't. Yeah. It's like, it's like tubing, but laundry basket style. (laughs) In a parking lot. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Super smart. Yeah. Okay, so Paul was driving the boat while he and his friends enjoyed drinking on the way. The group stayed at the Oyster Roast for about five hours. During the party, they took turns walking back to the boat to drink and then returning to the party. So they weren't drinking in front of everyone else at the party. And I mean, they're all underage, but also there are adults that they know there. Like Paul's uncle was at the Oyster Roast and, you know, he said, looking back, like it didn't seem like his nephew was drunk. He couldn't tell that he'd been drinking a lot by that point, at least. Hmm. Later testimony from Paul's friend said that Paul was actually very intoxicated. 
When the group left the party just after midnight, Paul was getting more belligerent and getting out of control. On the way back home, Paul insisted on driving the boat, even though he was clearly the most intoxicated. And most of the group at this point just wants to go home. They're kind of done for the night. But Paul did not want to go home. He wanted to keep drinking. And he was adamant that they go to this bar called Luther's. And so he docks the boat and they go to this bar. Paul and Connor went inside to take a few shots at the bar while the rest of the group hung outside near the dock because the other people in the group didn't have fake IDs. So they weren't even allowed inside because they were underage. So only the two of them could go in. At 1.17 a.m., the group boarded the boat and Paul continued driving. And surveillance video shows the group walking toward the boat. And Paul is unsteady on his feet. I mean, he is visibly drunk. Mm -hmm. You can see him swaying. Mm -hmm. He's not walking in a straight line. Absolutely. By this time, later interviews with the group on the boat revealed Paul was incredibly drunk. His friend said that Paul often got super drunk, like so drunk that he turns into an entirely different person who they have given a nickname. And that alter ego is Timmy. Hmm. Why Timmy? Like, yeah, how did they come up with this? But I mean, you know, it's pretty bad when you're like, I don't know, when they have a nickname for how fucking belligerent you are. Right. So everybody on the boat is begging him to let somebody else drive. But Paul was like, "Uh, no, this is my boat and nobody else drives my boat. And so I'm like, well, it's your daddy's boat. Yeah, I was going to say, again, I I hate to... I hate to be a nitpicker, Yeah, but, um, it's not your fucking boat. Exactly. So. Paul was reportedly driving very closely to parked boats. He was doing donuts in the water and going way, way, way too fast. Popping donuts. Mm-hmm. Popping donuts. Remember how we said that? Yeah, popping donuts. Yeah. I don't think that's the correct term. No, it, it's but... not the right containment verb at all, is it? Uh-uh. No, but I think it works. I don't know. I could go for popping donuts right now. That sounds yummy. A pop and donuts? We don't call it pop. No, I said pop and donuts. Oh. Like I'm going to pop some into my mouth. <laughs> I thought you were doing, because I was like, uh, you know damn well it's a Coke. Okay, so oh, oh, yeah. we're not. I've never called it a pop. Can't. Ugh. So, and like while he's, you know, while he's driving, he's just like almost like clipping other boats. It's just really bad. A typical Timmy Move is to strip down to his boxers, which he does on this night. He's driving and like, you know that is cold. It's mm-hmm. like 50 degrees outside before the sun went down. On the water, all that air, like, you know that shit is yeah. cold. And he just like gets down well, to his boxers. Going fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So Mallory was asking to get off the boat, and that's uh, Anthony's girlfriend, Mallory Beach. But Paul wouldn't stop. He would occasionally leave the wheel of the boat to run up front where he would scream at his girlfriend, Morgan. Because, you know, you got to take some time to do that. Yeah, you want to make sure that there's enough time to scream at your girlfriend Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for no reason. Yeah. In your boxers. Exactly. Miley later said that Paul was screaming in her face. He was calling her names like a bitch and a whore. She said he slapped her in the face and spit on her before running back to the wheel and pushing away anyone else from it. Mm -mm. Anthony said that Mallory yelled at Paul to stop after he hit Morgan and that Paul looked as though he was about to yell something back at Mallory, but Anthony told him not to make that mistake. Anthony said that when um, that's when Paul went back to the wheel and accelerated. He put the throttle down and turned down into Archer's Creek. The creek was a very narrow, winding waterway, very difficult to navigate, sober and in the daytime. And now he's drunk as hail, and it's night. In the middle of the night. And there's no lights on this boat. One of the boys was holding a flashlight out in front of them. That's how he's seeing driving this boat. Where he's going. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Mallory was sitting in the front of the boat on Anthony's lap, and she was absolutely terrified. Everyone was screaming at Paul to slow down, but the GPS later revealed that the boat was traveling between 32 and 34 miles an hour. 30 miles an hour on a boat is really fast, and especially it's like dark, you know, narrow. They can't see anything. You don't know if there's, I mean, you could hit just any number of things, but like 30 miles in a car isn't all that fast, but in a boat, it's just a different story. Well, yeah, absolutely. Miley later told police that it was then that she saw the bridge coming and only had time to scream before the boat hit a dolphin pylon. It's a group of three pylons latched together. Anthony and Mallory were ejected into the river. Anthony surfaced, but Mallory did not. Connor had his phone on him and called 911 at 2.20 a.m. Paul somehow ended up in the water and climbed out. Morgan had injured her hand and Anthony had a shoulder injury. And unknown to them at the time, Connor had fractured his jaw, but Mallory was nowhere to be found. So Connor tells the 911 dispatcher they've been in a boat crash on Archer's Creek and that there were six of them, but one is missing. And if you listen to this 911 call and you don't know that Connor has a fractured jaw, you could possibly be like, wow, I mean, there's no urgency here. Like what's going on? 
But again, he's talking slowly because of this. He just doesn't realize it at the time. Mm-hmm. And in the background, you can hear Morgan and Miley screaming Mallory's name while Connor is trying to explain where they are in the water. Several law enforcement agencies responded, including the Beaufort County Sheriff's Office, Port Royal Police Department, and the Paris Island Marshal's Office. Someone on the scene contacted Renee and Philip Beach, which are Mallory's parents, to let them know that there was an accident and Mallory was missing. How sad. Oh, it's terrible. I know. Do you want to give us a little information on Mallory Beach? Sure do. Thank you very much. (laughs) You're so welcome. Mallory Madison Beach was born on April 18th. I know somebody else with that birthday. I know. I was like, great birthday. It's my birthday. Not the same year, though. No. No. This is awkward. Yeah. She was born on April 18th, 1999. She is the third of three girls, two Renee and Philip, and her parents described her as headstrong, energetic, and bright. She loved animals. She never met a stranger. She was a daddy's girl who loved hunting and fishing, but also could be a girly girl. And her teacher said that Mallory was a wonderful student and described her as effervescent. Mallory had known Anthony since they were kids after meeting at church. And when the two began dating, Renee was surprised, but could tell that her daughter was so happy with Anthony. Before she left for the boat that night, Mallory spoke to her father on the phone, and Philip said that he could tell her daughter that his daughter was excited to be spending the night with Anthony and the rest of her friends. Mm. So that's so sad. It is so sad, especially. Well, I mean, obviously, we know what we know, so. And they, like, she and Anthony seem like such a sweet couple because if you look at the surveillance video from that night, like, all of them walking down the dock getting ready for Paul and Connor to go into Luther's, they are, like, giggling with each other, and I don't know, it's just so sweet, like. Yeah, they just seem so happy. Yeah. I know. There are a lot of law enforcement on the scene, like a lot of police officers, and things quickly became chaotic. The South Carolina Department of Natural Resources, which is the DNR, actually had jurisdiction since the crash occurred in the waterway. And there's dash cam video that was pulled from the scene that showed Mm. Anthony standing by the police car. This is heart-wrenching. Oh my gosh, it is so sad. Because the way, like he ends up just, he just happens to be sitting like directly in front of this dash cam. Oh my God, it's so sad. Yeah, and he is crying his eyes out. He is so devastated. And apparently, we don't see any of this, but Anthony is yelling at Paul. Mm -hmm. I mean, screaming at him. And he was like, you killed my girlfriend. You killed Mallory. And he tells Paul at some point to stop smiling like it's funny. Again, we can't see Paul, but yeah, yeah. I and apparently, be yeah, if that's something that he would do. Exactly, he's kind of walking around like smirking. He's still in his boxers, by the way, and he's just like mm-hmm. walking around. And Anthony's like, "You better quit fucking smiling like this is funny." Like he is, and he tells them, he says, "Get that motherfucker away from me. He killed my yeah. girlfriend." Like, oh, it's so sad. Yeah. And Anthony told the officer that Paul was the one who was driving when they crashed. And he asked the officer if he knew Alec Murdoch. The officer said that he was familiar with that name. And Anthony told him that Paul was his son. And in a disgusted voice, Anthony is like, well, yeah, good luck. Because mm. now we're understanding, if we didn't already, that they have such a pull in the community that they're not going to get in trouble for this. Like, mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like it anyway. Mm-mm. Yeah, and Anthony knew so, then and there nothing was going to come from this. 
Mm-hmm. Good yeah. luck. At least three officers on the scene had known connections to the Murdoch family. So as solicitors, the Murdochs naturally had interactions with law enforcement, but the family made it personal and social. They would go fishing, they would drink, invite them to gatherings, all kinds of stuff at their Moselle Mm -hmm. house. So in an interview with the DNR the day after the crash, Miley told officers that the first thing Paul did after the crash was demand to use her cell phone so he could call his grandfather. She told them that he wanted him there because he was a lawyer. And when asked why Paul didn't call his father, Miley said he just always calls his grandfather. That the use of the word always there is telling. She's like, I mean, every time he fucks up, he calls his grandfather and his grandfather gets him out of it. Exactly. Yeah. More dash cam footage recorded the conversation between Paul and officers where he's asking to use one of their cell phones. And they told him that they found his cell phone in the grass and they gave it to him. Like, what is happening? I know. Why are they not taking the cell phone? And then the freaking evidence. Yeah, the audacity of this kid to walk up and be like, I need to use your cell phone, officer. You don't get to do that. But And they don't like sit him down and shut him up, right? They're just like, Mm -mm. actually, you dropped yours back there. Why don't you go get it? And then they were like, oh, yeah, we'll find it for you. God, let me help you. I don't, I don't know. What is happening? (laughs) Yeah. Paul's clothes, cell phone, and wallet were never collected. They were never submitted to evidence. Mm -hmm. And Beaufort County Sheriff's Office said that they saw his cell phone but didn't collect it because they believed DNR would be taking over the investigation. But DNR said that they never saw any of Paul's belongings. Mm -mm. And Mm -hmm. sorry, if you, like looking back through documents and stuff, the Sheriff's Office filled out paperwork of everything that they, you know, saw, collected, like all this stuff, but there's no mention in the report of finding his cell phone and giving it back to him. They just conveniently left that out. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everyone on scene noticed that Paul was being extremely belligerent. He was obviously very intoxicated. And at one point, he even got in an officer's face and he yelled at him. But despite this behavior, the report that he was driving when the accident occurred and that this was a crime scene. Nobody did a field sobriety test on him. Nobody tested. No. And they certainly didn't take any steps to keep him seated or, I mean, any other person Out just of anybody's about, face? Yeah. <laughs> you get up in an officer's face and yell at them, they're going to fucking cuff you at the very least. Uh, yeah. Not him. Exactly. He's just, I mean, obviously from the very beginning, treated incredibly differently yeah. than you and I would have been treated. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Obviously. So Paul was transported to the hospital and he was reportedly incredibly aggressive. He had to actually be restrained in the ambulance. Yeah. And Miley, Morgan, and Connor were all transported to the hospital as well, but Anthony refused to leave the scene without Mallory. Mm-hmm. So sweet. So sad, but so yeah. sweet. Mallory's parents were on the scene by this time while law enforcement continued to scour the area and they were looking for a 19-year-old Mallory. At the hospital, investigators were talking to Paul in his room when his father and grandfather walked in and they told police that Paul was done talking to them. Yeah. The audacity of this family. So two hours after the crash occurred, hospital staff finally draws Paul's blood and they tested him. And at this point, he's restrained. He is strapped down to a gurney. Mm -hmm. He was so altered, so aggressive, that staff was concerned that he might have a head injury. But alas, Paul's blood alcohol level was 0.286, which is three times the legal limit to drive for Mm -hmm. an adult of drinking age. And that's two hours after. Mm -hmm. So So he was... It was more intoxicated two hours before Exactly. That. It was higher when he was driving. My God. Mm-hmm. Yep. Witnesses at the hospital saw Alex going from room to room, telling other kids to be quiet and that he'd take care of everything. And he saw Connor in a wheelchair in a hallway and stopped him. And he... Oh, this is Alec. Excuse me. Yeah. Did I say that? Yeah. Okay. He said cool. Alex, but yeah. Who cares? Oh, jeez. I'm... Okay. So Connor had been asked to do a field sobriety test, but he refused. And it seemed as though law enforcement was trying to focus on Connor being the driver when the accident happened, uh-huh. which is so fucking Paul. Uh-huh. <sighs> yeah, you, t- you tell everybody that you did it. Okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just don't. It, it won't be bad, okay? It's just like better if it comes from you, okay? Like, no. Yeah, you're the one who was fucking driving because you wouldn't let anybody else drive mm-hmm. because you're a fucking asshole. Exactly. But anyway, so... After doctors finished evaluating Paul, he was allowed to go home. He was not arrested. He was not taken to jail. He went home. Any other crash like this, especially, I mean, once they found out the blood alcohol level was that high, he would have been taken immediately to jail. Yeah. Like, exactly. I mean, so many, so many things would have been different if it was a normal person like you or I. Mm-hmm. It's just so, it makes me so angry. <laughs> But out on Archer's Creek, the search for Mallory continued throughout the night with no sign of her and law enforcement, first responders, volunteers from the community. They were all searching by air, boat. They were on foot for several days. Eight days after the crash, Mallory's parents drove to the boat landing after church. There were several police cruisers there, along with a man wearing a shirt that said coroner. Mm. Mallory's dad said that as soon as he saw that, he knew that they found her body. Mallory's body had been found by two fishermen about five miles from the crash site, and the coroner determined that she'd died from drowning in blunt force trauma. Despite having the outcome that they feared the most, Mallory's parents were relieved that she'd been found. There were hundreds of people in attendance at her funeral, and the community began to wonder if any sort of justice would be served for her. Mallory's mother said that from the moment she found out who was driving the boat, she felt that there would be a cover-up. Mm-hmm. Paul still hadn't been charged. If anyone else, like we said, had been in Paul's shoes, everything would have been different. Mm -hmm. Whoever it was would be in jail. Mm -hmm. Would have been in jail the the night of. But the community all thought that Paul was going to get away with it. So 
Just a few weeks following the crash, Renee Beach filed a civil suit against the convenience store parkers for providing alcohol to a minor with an ID that wasn't his. They also did a civil suit against Alec and Buster Murdoch for giving him the ID to use. And Renee said that she wanted to get evidence of everything that had led to her daughter's death because she thought the accident would disappear if she didn't. Parkers denied knowing that they were selling alcohol to a minor. The Murdochs denied that Paul was driving and also denied that Buster knew that his brother was using his ID. Paul's uncle said that Paul was very sad that his friend was killed. Okay. Even though he was essentially laughing about it after, but... Yeah, um, and people at the hospital heard Alec talking on the phone to, like, other people, you know, while he's going around from room to room being like, don't say anything, don't say anything, don't say anything. And, you know, we don't know what the the person on the other end of the line said, but this witness heard Alex say, don't worry about her. She's gone now. Like, forget her. She's gone. Obviously referring to Mallory. We've got to move on. Who else is gone? Forget her. Oh, my God. Like, I cannot with this fucking family. So two months after the accident, Paul was charged with, he actually was charged with three felony counts of boating under the influence. But where is his, at the very least, like vehicular manslaughter, manslaughter homicide or something? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what it is with boat, but you know, that is still a vehicle. So I don't know. Yeah. Bohicular. Homicide. I I don't, I don't know what it's called. Yeah. So he was arraigned in court on April 18th, which would have been Mallory's 20th birthday. Hmm. Paul was brought to the courthouse by his lawyers, but he was never handcuffed. After the arraignment, the court officer went to handcuff Paul, which was standard practice. But the prosecutor was like, mm-mm, mm-mm, that's not necessary. Go on. Keep moving. Keep moving. Literally waves him away. The prosecutor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's supposed to be prosecuting this person? <laughs> <laughs> Paul's mugshot was taken on an iPhone in the hallway of the courthouse. Before he was released on his own... uh, Oh my God, I knew I was going to mess it up. (laughs) On his own recognizance. I know how to say it. I just, I knew it was going to happen. Yep. But he was... He didn't get a standard mugshot. No! They were like, here, Paul, is this lighting okay for you? Here, let me see what kind of filters we have available. (laughs) What the fuck? I know. On an iPhone. And he was released after. And if convicted, Paul would face up to 25 years in prison. Mm. It, but that's a heavy if, if convicted. Yeah, if convicted, exactly. On Monday, June 7th, 2021, at 10.07 a.m., a 911 call came into police in Hampton County, and it was a frantic Alec Murdoch. He said that he was out on his Moselle property, and he had found his wife, 52-year-old Maggie, and his 22-year-old son, Paul, shot to death near the dog kennels. And the dog kennels are like way the fuck away from the house, mm-hmm. by the way. It's like hundreds and hundreds of feet away. Yeah. So like, I don't know. There's just a lot of like, we don't know a lot of the details, but like, how did he go straight to the dog kennels? But anyway. And why were they both at the dog kennels? Right. Alec told the, the call taker that his son and wife were not moving and they weren't breathing. And he said that he had just gotten back home. No one else was on the property. Alec told the dispatcher when he needed that he needed to get off the phone to call members of his family and just disconnected. Like, you know, normally they want you to stay on the phone and they were telling him, like, put your flashers on on your car so that the police know where to come because this is a 1700 acre property. Mm -hmm. Like, how are they going to know where the dog kennels are? So 
they're trying to make sure that officers and first responders are able to find him. He's like, yeah, I got to go. I got to call some of my family now. Okay. I got to let them know. It's like, okay. And also you're not worried that whoever shot them might still be on the property. Right. At all. He's just very like, this is what happened. I, I wasn't here. I just got back. I just got back. You know, I've been gone. So I don't know. Also, I'm in charge and I'm going to tell you what to do. Okay, bye. Yeah. Police and first responders arrived on the scene and confirmed that Maggie and Paul were dead. Alec's brothers arrived on scene soon after, and they said that Alec tried to tell Buster, who was living in Rock Hill about three hours away, but he couldn't tell his son over the phone. So one of his uncles had to take over um, the phone call and tell him. Colton County was the first law enforcement to arrive on scene, but the investigation was quickly handed over to the South Carolina Law Enforcement Info... (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I think I combine enforcement and division. Enforcement division. So how you became Sean Connery? I don't. (laughs) Yeah, I totally did. (laughs) Okay, I'll do the rest of the episode as Sean Connery, of course. (laughs) I'm waiting to be impressed. (laughs) I'm just going to call it SLED, okay? Because it's really hard to say all of the words. Okay, so SLED. On the Moselle property, which, you know what? It's South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, and I understand where they're getting sled, but if you add the C in there, that's sled. It is. Okay, so sled took it over. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so the Moselle property, like we said, was over 1,700 acres, and there was a quite... Why can't I say words right now? I have no idea. There was quite a bit of wooded area around the house and the dog kennels were in an open area, but again, were hundreds of yards away from the house. Paul and Maggie's bodies were laying on the ground near the kennels and there were two different types of shell casings on the scene, which indicated two different weapons used. There was a semi-automatic rifle and a shotgun. The coroner eventually determined that the time of death for both victims was between 9 and 9.30 p.m. Paul was killed by two shotgun blasts to the head while Maggie was killed with the semi-automatic rifle. Mm. Unsurprisingly, Alec was immediately a person of interest. However, he supposedly had an ironclad alibi. There are varying reports as to what exactly he was doing, but at the time of the shootings, Alec was either visiting his mother at her home, bringing his sick father to the hospital, or visiting his father in the hospital. So there's just, if you read different news articles, you're going to find different things there. The following day, law enforcement released a statement saying that there was no danger to the public. They had no suspects, apparently, but they were like, y'all don't worry. Um, This is not about you, okay? How do they know that? How do they know that? Like, nobody worry, though. This made people believe that law enforcement had significant reason to believe that the murders were targeted. People began to question whether this was some type of revenge for the boat crash. Uh, The beaches, though, were very cooperative, offered their DNA as well as their sympathy to the family. These murders thrust the Murdoch family into the spotlight and into national news. Unfortunately for Alec, reporters started digging further into the family's history and found that Mallory Beach's death was not the first one that had the Murdoch name behind it. Well, you guys... I mean, this is a total bitch move, but it has to be done. Yeah. This is where we end part one. Yeah. So sorry. But the good news is we will catch you next week. Or if you are a patron, you'll get it directly hereafter. Exactly. You can just keep on keeping on.
Yeah, exactly. So thank you guys so much for listening and we'll catch you next episode. Yep. Love you guys. Love you. Bye. Bye. Okay, you guys, before we go, you know what time it is. What time is it? It's shout out time. What's the time? Shout out time. What's the time? Shout out time. Yeah. Um, so we got some Hey Girl thanks we want to do. Hey Girl thanks to Aubrey Barrett, Savannah Pierce, Mary Hayes, Roni Phillips, Ada E. Lonan, Jamie Jones, Nicole Peterson, Stephanie Garrett, Rebecca Houston, Teresa Turnahan, Gina Antonia, Samantha Koval, Brianna, Megan Hazeltine, Zoe Anderson, Mariah Magnus, Elena Walton, April Weidman, Maylee Romero, Marla J, Isabella Perales, Amanda Osborne Daniels, Hope Oreg, hey girl, hey, hey, Danielle, Jordan, Sophia Black, Elizabeth Kellum, Kelly Bundy, Tara Unruh, and Stephanie Villanueva. Yay! Thank you guys so much. We are so grateful for each and every single one of you, Angel Babies. Yes, we love you so much. Thank you. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this case. Connect with us on Instagram or Facebook to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening, and we will meet you back here next week. Bye! The theme song for the show is created and composed by Stephen Toby. You can find more of Stephen's work on SoundCloud. Our logo was created by Sloane Williams of Sophisticated Crayon. You can find more of her work on Etsy. Visit us at killerqueenspodcast.com for merch and other info about the show. 